Welcome to Pleasure Principles, a sex therapy podcast aimed to educate, advocate, and instigate conversations. Pleasure Principles is brought to you by Sky Hill, providing sex and relationship therapy to individuals, couples, and families in the Twin Cities. Wahoo. Welcome, Kelvin. Hey, Hi. Jenny. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah. I'm actually really excited. Me too, because we have a wonderful guest today. Hmm. We do. I didn't know that. Why, Jenny, who is this guest? I don't know. She just uh, showed up. Hello. <laughs> Hello, lady. Hello. How are you? Can you tell us your name? Hi, I'm Ann Bowers. <laughs> I'm a marriage and family therapist here in the Twin Cities, specializing in areas of relationships and sexuality. Nice. I'm really, we're both quite excited to have you here because we like you. Yeah, we're big oh, fans. Oh, I like of, you guys we're too. Big fans. We're big fans of the Ann Bowers. <laughs> Likewise, I'm sure. <laughs> well, we hope. We can only hope. We can only hope. So, whenever we have guests that do the therapy thing, we always have we have a few questions we like to ask. Okay. And my favorite question to ask any therapist is, "What is your therapist origin story? What what would be the first Marvel movie that would be made about you as a therapist, telling you <laughs> telling the origin of how you got to this place? How'd you get your mad skills? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How'd you know you wanted to in like engage your superpowers as a sex therapist? Absolutely. You know, I think that the origin story that maps most closely to my journey is that of Superman. Oh. Nice. And here's why I... You're from Krypton. (laughs) I am from Krypton. (laughs) I knew that. (laughs) And so I'm the Superman of therapists. I came from the business world. And while I was there, even though I was working on businessy, mathy, spreadsheety types (laughs) of projects, I noticed that the work that I really loved, the work I gravitated to, and the work that people wanted me to do had to do with interpersonal relationships and working with people. Hmm. So, you know, after I had kids, I wanted to make a career change to something that was more meaningful. And I thought, that's the piece of work that I really love. And so I'm going to go to a new planet and use these amazing skills that I have, hopefully, Mm-hmm. Yeah. To do something that feels meaningful. That's I like great. It. Thank you. Do you have glasses that you like take on and put off in like a different I, suit? I do. <laughs> I've seen it. I've, I have multiple pairs of glasses actually. Have you noticed that in Cedar Hill, whenever Anne's yes. around, there's a phone booth? I she, did actually wonder <laughs> where you got that. So mm-hmm. I'm impressed. I keep it in the group room. Yes, yes. Well, like you can keep that. anything in the group room. <laughs> yeah, we do. There's a lot of things in there. So you thought, all right, I will you know, when I'm do this meaningful deal, I'm going to do some therapy. I think I have some some super assassin skills in that area. How is it that you found sexuality? Sexuality came to me through you, Jenny. It was kind of a trick question. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jenny was one of my teachers. And, you know, in learning about sexuality in the therapy world, I just saw that it's this rich vein mm-hmm. that, So many people are afraid to even touch, much less sort of plumb the depths. You know what? We're all sexual beings. Mm -hmm. We all have sex in some ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, of course, lots of us have lots of issues and problems with it. Number one, because it's a normal thing that everybody engages in and everything can become problematic. And number two, because of the messages from our society, just creating a lot of shame and difficulty in that area. And... 
You are amazing. This is why we like you so much. (laughs) (laughs) So, Anne, could you tell me a little bit more about what your specialty within this realm is further? So we've got therapy, we've got sexuality. Is there a specific area within that umbrella that you focus on? Mm -hmm. I love working with couples. So, you know, couples and sex, a lot of times there's problems and that can manifest in a lot of different ways. There can be a desire discrepancy. There can be an infidelity. There can be sexually compulsive behaviors. There can be sexual pain or performance issues. And I'm really interested in not only how that impacts people individually, but how that manifests in their most important relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I also like working with individuals experiencing issues or going through transitions. But I really have a special place in my heart for the couple's work. That's incredible. I think people often go, really? There's a specialty within Sex? You know, I'm like, yep. There's client different client lows. There's, there's different, all sorts of stuff, right? You always there's always a place to kind of dig in deeper and get a little bit more information on and kind of get get your special powers even more super. And I think that you love working with couples is awesome. Calvin and I in another episode we're talking about this cultural piece, right, Mm -hmm. that you're naming. And what are some of the misconceptions that you see couples coming in your office with Mm -hmm. about sexuality? A big one is that sex should just work. Like there's this idea that if something is a little bit off, then something is wrong with me or Mm -hmm. else something is wrong with my partner. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like we're fatally flawed. Like we're fatally flawed. Uh-huh. There is often a misconception that in a longer-term relationship, sex should be the same way it was in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. You can just feel it coming off again. Like, well, oh, I can't contain. Yeah. <laughs> it's so awful. It's a non-judgmental place that yes. I, I yes. make that barf noise. Mm-hmm. Yes. But to say, yeah, I mean, we... What else do we do that in our life with, right? That's right. Expect everything to be the same as it was however many years ago. Who months, I was whatever. when I was 17 is not who I am at uh, 28. And I hope it's, you know, who I am now is not who I am in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. I don't cook the same way I did 10 years ago. I don't exercise yeah. the same way I did 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Why should my sex life be the exact same as it was 10 years ago? It's just, right. it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Another common thing that I encounter is a really narrow definition of sex. Mm. You know, particularly for heterosexual couples. Yes. Yeah. The penis in the vagina equals sex. I think that's just a really <laughs> limiting <laughs> way to think about the it. penis in the <laughs> vagina. That's amazing. Yeah. Like there's just one way. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't this way, it isn't. Right. Or it isn't valid. Right. Mm-hmm. So you work with people, I imagine, then to kind of shake loose some of those misconceptions and that's right. Create a new Let's definition see if for themselves. We can themselves. slow down and broaden the definition and come up with something that really feels comfortable for mo- both members of the couple. Nice. For sure. What do you want to ask, Elvin? <laughs> well, I would like to ask <laughs> Anne. What is the most enjoyable aspect of your work? Very J- James Lipton of me to ask yes. that. but I do feel like I'm inside the therapist's studio exactly. here. <laughs> I'm like sitting on a dark stage under a bright spotlight. Uh-huh. You are. 
Everybody, that is exactly what is happening right yeah. now. <laughs> Big auditorium. What I love about therapy is just the opportunity to go on the journey with people. Yeah. You know, so often people come in in a really tough place. They're suffering. It takes people a long time so often to make that call to get Mm -hmm. some help and support and to be able to work with a person or a couple or a family as they learn new skills, as they start looking at things differently, and as they start sort of on their path towards healing. There is nothing more exciting and there's no greater honor. For sure. I think one thing I want to highlight in what you just said, too, is this idea that it takes so long for people to make that call. It takes a lot of chutzpah. And one of the things, as practitioners, we have to create treatment plans, and insurance often asks us to quantify change, which is kind of nebulous. Like, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. And generally, that's a percentage of change each week. And when we create these treatment plans, you know, you have a symptom area, and then you have a percentage of where it's at. And anytime I'm talking about a treatment plan with a client, I always say, you're not at zero here, because you're functioning, you got here. So clearly, you're at 50, if not more, because you already got here, and you had to do the things to get here. And Mm -hmm. that's huge. So let's get to 100 now. And it, it's just, it is. It's daunting, but we do the thing yeah. and we walk with them. People come in feeling, I have to be here. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I'm here. I mean, something like it's really bad. And a part of what you're both highlighting is you got here, right? Yeah. Oftentimes it takes us a long time because there's some cultural weirdness around going to therapy still. There's, mm-hmm. I think, still really big time cultural weirdness around sex. And so put those two together. And we're like, do I need to go? Do I really need the help? Do I really want to talk about this? Mm, you know, <laughs> Can I just and, be master of my own domain here? <laughs> let's just, you know, that takes a while. So when they come in to say, you know what, you've done a big chunk of the work by saying I'm going to come in and open myself up. And then they get to meet lovely people like you all to say, hey, welcome, right? Like, welcome to the rest of humanity where it's okay, mm-hmm. yeah. right? We have this. So that's pretty exciting. I'm wondering, when you think about yourself in practice, mm-hmm. what's something you would like people to know about you, right? Like, how is it that you practice? What is it about therapy that you'd love for folks considering or couples who are considering coming in? What's important for them to know? Mm-hmm. I would say two things. First, to know when you come to therapy that you, as a couple or an individual, You're the expert on your own life and your own experience. I'm not the expert on what you're experiencing. You know that, and you can use that. Mm -hmm. Where I'm an expert is in helping to structure the process so that you can get through your experience, Mm -hmm. kind of metabolize your issues so that you start to feel better. So if you come see me for therapy, I'm going to trust you to be the expert on your own life, and you can trust me to be the expert on structuring therapy so that you can accomplish your goals. Nice. Yes. Another thing that I always like to highlight for new people when they're coming in is that really my goal is for therapy to be a safe space where people feel supported, where people feel understood, and where people people feel like they're making progress. I think for everyone, therapy should always feel that way. Yeah. Right? Where else mm-hmm. do we go? <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, I want to feel like I'm doing something. Like I'm uh-huh. 
Like I'm getting somewhere. And I love that you're saying, hey, it's within you. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be with you on the journey, right? I'm going to be, if you allow me to. Yes. I want to come hang out with you in your therapy office, Anne, if that's all right. (laughs) That sounds great. How do you feel about moving to some listener questions? Because we've had quite a few for you. And would that be okay? I'd love to answer some listener questions. Yay. One of the things that Anne specializes in, in some ways, or at least she used to, we'll say, maybe she's leaning more towards couples. But is it right that you used to work a lot with how to talk to, talk with families about how to talk about sex with their kids? Absolutely. This is actually a topic area I love. I will say that clinically, I haven't seen that many clients who want to come in for therapy Mm -hmm. about talking to their kids about sex. But what I find in my individual and couples work, any of my clients who have kids, it's a topic that comes up in session. Mm -hmm. It's also one that I love to present on and just talk to families about because it can feel so tricky to so many people. Mm Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, people knew that when they were writing in. <laughs> oh, good. By people, I mean, we got these questions. I was like, I think this could go to Anne. <laughs> <laughs> A little behind the scenes there. Our first question is from Hannah. And Hannah asks, well, it's kind of a statement and a question. My son is 11, and I can tell that puberty is hitting him pretty hard. I know it's time to have the talk. The talk. <laughs> but I don't know. T. Yes. But I don't know how to bring it up or what to say. And then in all exclamation or all capitals and exclamation, help. (laughs) Oh, Hannah, I feel you. Mm -hmm. It can be very awkward to talk about sex and particularly with kids who are hitting puberty and having all the feelings, perhaps Mm -hmm. feeling embarrassed about what's going on in their body, perhaps a little bit more emotional than they were in years past. <laughs> then you've known them to be. Or then maybe, you have known them to be. Maybe they were at three uh-huh. and then not so much until now at 11. Yes, exactly. So, you know, one kind of frame shift that I like to talk about is moving from the talk to an ongoing conversation. So this is a conversation that you can be having with your kids throughout their lives. Yes. Starting from when they're super young. And going all the way up kind of through their teen years. I would say this too, though. If you have not been having that ongoing conversation, it's no problem. It's never too late to start. I love that because I was just thinking, oh, eek. You know, just going through, uh, you know, I would say I'm a bit biased in that it can be awesome to have conversations about sexuality and bodies and all of that, you know, as kids are Growing up and learning names like, oh, this is my ear, this is my nose, this is my butt, right? This is my toe, this is my penis, or this Mm -hmm. is my vulva, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be that we just kind of learn all those things. So that's one thing, but also talking about how sexuality changes over the lifespan, you know, can be kind of just naming parts is one thing, but talking about, oh, now your body's changing and you may find yourself interested in such, you know, that it's never too late. We can talk about it even if... There's an 18-year-old ready to leave the house. Is it still cool to (laughs) – we haven't missed the bus. Is it still okay to – No, absolutely. If you haven't talked to your 18-year-old and here she is about to leave the house, have the talk. Yeah. I feel like it's never too late to learn. You know, we even see in our society that a number of 
older men are getting to learn those lessons kind of in retrospect right now. Yeah. That, of course, is a situation we want to avoid for our kids. We want right. them to have healthy sexuality and healthy situations. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the more we can talk about it, the better. And if it's been uncomfortable and it's been a challenge for you, hey, that's okay. Just start where you're at. Yeah. Awesome. That makes right, me so, feel better. <laughs> <laughs> so that is just some general information. For you, mm-hmm. Hannah, the first thing that kind of came to mind that might be good for you to check on is for an 11-year-old, they may have started to receive some information in school. So just kind of thinking about that and being in touch with teachers to see if any of that has happened. Oftentimes, sexuality is introduced into the curriculum in fifth and sixth grade, and then there's um, some additional curriculum kind of in seventh and eighth. So just to be aware that that he may have received some information. Number two, it can be really tricky to bring up. And so, you know, here are some ideas for how to make it easier. I think it's always a good idea to use a book. You know, if you have a book that's sort of age appropriate for kids, like step one would be to purchase the book and give it to your child. (laughs) Would it be okay to just let it lay around and sort of like toss it in their room and see like, hey, maybe you'll find this. Through the- <laughs> okay, so that would just be like open step it. one half. Or like bathroom reading maybe. Uh-huh. Just put it in the bathroom by put all the other magazines. Sure. Yeah. I have a girlfriend who had it in the car, the puberty oh. book. So when they were driving around, oh, that was the only book in the car. That's awesome. Oh my goodness. If the kids wanted to look at something, they would be learning about puberty. <laughs> so great. kind of making that information available to your child. Uh, an important, <laughs> an important part too, is it can be challenging, but it really makes a difference, and it's really important mm-hmm. to challenge yourself to then talk to your kid about the book. So that can look different ways for different people. You might want to read the book with your child. You might want to do more of a book club, so you each read a chapter and then talk about it. You might want to have your child read the book and then kind of have the book with you and answer any questions they might have. Or you might get to the point where you just get more comfortable and you can kind of talk about the the conversation just kind of off the cuff. So those are all options depending Mm -hmm. on what's comfortable for you. I also think that our kids will pick up on the fact that we're nervous. Mm -hmm. We bring our own stuff to talking about sex with kids. Yes, we do. And you know what? That's okay because you're human. And you can acknowledge it to your kids. You can name it. This Doesn't is hard help? for me to talk about. It's like, hey, guess what? <laughs> Mommy's a little nervous right now. Mm-hmm. I want to do a great job so that you have an awesome experience with this in your life. And so I'm kind of nervous. Mm-hmm. So if you notice that, that's okay. Yeah. I would add this too, Hannah. What, like The big benefit to me of having that talk with your kid about sex and sexuality is it is a way for you to share your values with your child. I am guessing that your values around sexuality don't map to all of the conflicting messages about sexuality in our culture. So you mm-hmm. get to be that strongest and most important voice. That's fantastic. No kidding, right? Really taking some power, like allowing allowing you to feel like, yep, we can do this, right? Yeah. Empowering people. Can I take a moment to list some of my favorite books? Please do. Yes. And we'll try and have those up on our show notes. 
Okay. I really like this series by Roby Harris and Michael Emberley. Their book's all about uh, sex, babies, families, and changing bodies. It's Not the Stork, which is for ages four plus, so you can start with that one really young. It's So Amazing, which is for kids seven and older, and It's Perfectly Normal, which is the puberty book and is for ages 10 plus. There is also a good series, The Boy's Body Book and The Girl's Body Book, which is written by a nurse about puberty. And for girls, the American Girl Care and Keeping of You series covers a lot of topics around sex and sexuality, puberty, but also socialization. And so those are all really good resources. You know, I think those resources might be helpful to some of our other listeners. Especially this next question. Especially Pam, right? (laughs) So Pam, thanks for writing in. You know, I think we're... Calvin and I have a little chuckle because we totally get this. <laughs> my kid walked in on me and my partner having sex. Yikes! <laughs> she says, <laughs> I've been racking my brain over what to say to her about it, but thinking about it makes me nauseous. My kid is eight and I am embarrassed. So, yep, Pam, we're going to let Anne answer your questions, but first I just want to say, yeah, right? Like, I'm laughing because so many people actually have brought this up in therapy with me where it's like, I don't know what to do. We're working on exploring, you know, working on sex, and all of a sudden our kid comes in, (laughs) and it really impacts things, and I just... I, I feel you, and it's. I love how you say it, it I think makes me the, sick to my stomach. Yeah, I think the yikes really yeah. highlights, I think, a lot of people's experience yes. with this. Yes, yes. So please, Anne, what do we do? What oh, does Pam do? Pam. Let's solve this for Pam. Yes, I would just validate <laughs> what mm-hmm. Jenny and Calvin said. Ugh, that's mm-hmm. not really an experience that you want to have. Sure. But, you know, sex is a part of everyday life, mm-hmm. and you can keep it simple. I think that your goals in having this conversation are to normalize and to reassure. So, you know, if kids walk in during a sexual encounter, they may not know what's going on. They may wonder, you know, is daddy hurting mommy or is mommy hurting daddy? Are they fighting? Are they playing? So just to let your child know, like, hey, so you saw something. Mm -hmm. Ask the question. Did you have any questions about that? Mm-hmm. And if they do, you can answer them. The child looks kind of embarrassed. Just keep it simple. We were doing an adult thing. If you, with an eight year old, you may have talked about sex, you know, as we read, and it's not the stork. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. This is sex that from that, that. book. Mm-hmm. And it's something that grown ups do when they love each other. Let me know if you have any questions. And really being open. Just being open. You know, in situations like that, sometimes I suggest to people, like, rehearse it in front of the mirror. Sure. Totally. And you can also do that piece of, like, this is something private for mommies and daddies, so I feel embarrassed that you saw it. That's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Just put it in the context of your family and how your family looks and how it makes sense. And this piece about if you have questions, it's okay to ask, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and we're going to talk about it. I love this. And I love that, Pam, you're, you're writing in and you're embarrassed and feeling sick about it. And at the same time, you're going to be with that discomfort and say, I think it's something that we get to talk about. I want to have them, I want to offer them an experience where they feel safe. Mm-hmm. They know that I can be a resource for questions and then that I enjoy it and it can be okay. Mm-hmm. I wanna, that is scary, though. In our culture, mm-hmm. that's not – people aren't used to that. 
I want to offer this too. Like you in therapy, I have heard those stories from couples who have normal healthy sex life or working on one and a kid walks in mm-hmm. and it's really feels yucky. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that I've heard the other side of that story. Mm-hmm. And for parents who have normal healthy sex life and boundaries, it feels a lot different to the kid. So it might feel a little bit yucky, but maybe not quite as traumatic. Sure. For the parents, it's like, ah! Yes. The kid's like, huh, okay. That was weird. And then kind of goes on to do it. <laughs> uh-huh. Later, yeah. I realized. Yes. yes. Oh, that's what they were doing. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. It's all coming together. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. We have, I think that that works. Yeah. There's one other question I think we have time to get to. Are you all right with that, Anne? I'm ready. So Dave writes in, Kelvin, want to read off Dave? Yes, I'll, I'll, re- I'll read off Dave. Dave says, I'm a new parent, and I'm curious as to how I can set and model healthy boundaries with my child while also not stigmatizing sexuality. Any thoughts? Ooh, great a, question. And a big one, right? Yeah. That's, yes. a, that's a pretty big one, so take parts. Yeah, absolutely. So first I would say it's great that you're thinking about this as a new parent when you have a new baby. Second, you know, when you think about healthy boundaries, that can mean all sorts of different things. It can be healthy boundaries with bodies, healthy boundaries with sexuality, healthy boundaries within the family. So what Mm -hmm. belongs to the parents and what is for the kids and what is for the whole family, healthy boundaries with those outside the family. Mm -hmm. So you can think about it kind of across an entire spectrum of ideas. Boundaries can be a spectrum. On one end are really rigid boundaries that are like walls that can't be permeated. On the other side are like no boundaries. And in the middle are boundaries that are firm and solid but that can change and flex as needed. So as you think about boundary situations, you can think about is this a wall? Is this something flexible? Or is this something where boundaries aren't needed? Um, I would say that there probably aren't that many situations where boundaries aren't needed. (laughs) Yeah. Or where you want to have tons of walls. Or right? where you so, want to have tons of walls. <laughs> you're gonna say, that, and the bell curve. I want to say most of them somewhere in the center. Most of them are somewhere in the center. You know, when kids are really little, respecting their body boundaries and modeling how they can do that with others I think is really important. So, you know, don't force your kids to hug people that they don't want to hug. Be respectful of your kids and name body parts when you're giving them a bath. Mm-hmm. Talk about, you know, if you want to touch yourself and it's pleasurable, hey, that's okay. And like when and in what contexts is that appropriate? So those are just some early examples. You know what I was thinking too, I don't know what Dave's scenario is. We don't know in terms of if he's part of a couple or on his own or a triad. We don't know mm-hmm. yet whomever Dave shares parenting with that that might be a conversation they have together yeah. mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how do we want to do this, right? right? Like how do we, like, and that that will bring out a lot of things that Dave and whomever he's sharing this responsibility with, you know, may have the opportunity to hash out before it's right in front of them and they're having to respond to something. So mm-hmm. having those conversations about how do we want to do this? I even think that list of books that you said, just kind of familiarizing Mm -hmm. yourself with those books can be helpful to say, oh, how do we want to do this? Mm -hmm. There's one other piece I would name, and I'm guessing, be kind to yourself. 
right? Because you're going to start out with all these ideas, but this is how I want to do it. And I want to make sure it's this and that. And then sometimes you may find yourself like in the midst of a moment going, ah, shoot, I totally didn't do that in the way that I wanted to. Be kind to yourself and know that you can go back and say, hey, you know what? I kind of said this and I want to make sure you know, really, I think about like this. I, I was scared or worried and I don't think I handled that as well as I wanted to. And you can go back to a conversation. Sometimes that's more meaningful than just quote unquote getting it right the first time. Life is hectic. Right? Yes. Like life is hectic. You're a new parent. You're not going to be sleeping a bunch. You're probably not going to be eating the best. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be at top form for right. the next 18 years. Yes. <laughs> and that when life is hectic, you may have an, a hectic response, but when things cool down, that you always have the chance to go back to it. Yeah. As a parent, we do that as a, as therapists. Yep. Sometimes things get hectic in the office, and mm-hmm. then later we have to acknowledge, oh, maybe that didn't go so great or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I love Absolutely. that, and that's the beauty of having this be an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to have a giant talk. It can be short and contextual, and it can happen over and over and over and over again. And sometimes you might get it right, and sometimes it might be a little bit off, and sometimes you decide your values have changed and you want to say something different, Mm -hmm. and all of that is okay. Man, you know what I love about this idea? So we've talked about a little bit about the cultural stuff, and I think there's a cultural idea that you have a talk. The talk. The The talk. talk. And that it's so awkward and so uncomfortable that, my gosh, can we just make it through the talk? And a part of what you're saying is make it a regular conversation. Like, so the talks. how do you want to, you know, like, so, hey, we're, it's a new year, right? Maybe you go get new school clothes, right? So what are the things maybe we want to talk about with bodies and sex and stuff like that's happening this time? Or, you know, that it's, you, you normalize sexuality and that it will change as each year passes and it will be important to tend to in a different way. Mm-hmm. And if we're doing that with kids, That'll set them up to be successful in adulthood by saying you're going to get that it's not it's not static, right? Like sexuality changes. Mm-hmm. So that that part is pretty darn exciting to me to say, yeah, let's set our kids up for success in adulthood in as many ways as we possibly can. And this is one way that we're doing it. So tolerating our own anxiety, mm-hmm. our own paying attention to our own stuff and saying and let's let's charge ahead or consult, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. there are lots of people with good resources. There's also good resources out there that you named. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Yeah, We're going to have to have you back in because there are lots of questions that people have about talking with kids about sex. And I think it's probably because we're just a little weird about sex anyway. But we'd love to have you back on the podcast. I think we could talk to you forever, too. That sounds awesome. Yay. I'll come back anytime. Excellent. Thank you, Anne. Well, thanks for being here giving us your good information and your time. And until next time, oh, please write in more questions. Yes. Calvin, where do they send those to? Info at skyhilltherapy.com. Again, that's info at skyhilltherapy.com. And just shoot us any questions. Maybe mark in the subject line, you know, pleasure Podcast. principles question. That would mm-hmm. be helpful for us. Yeah. Yeah, just shoot us questions. So. We love hearing from you. Yeah. We want to be a resource. So, Pleasure Principles is brought to you by Sky Hill, providing sex and relationship therapy to individuals, couples, and families in the Twin Cities. Bye, friends. 